Welcome to Inspiring Women with Lori McGraw. I am your host, Lori McGraw. I have spent the past 30 years in leadership, and over the years, I've come to learn one thing. Women need women, and not just any women, but inspiring women. Tune in every week to hear from women at the pinnacle of their careers and from others who are just starting out. Episodes can be found at inspiringwomen.show or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Thanks for listening, and I hope you will be inspired. This is Inspiring Women, and I'm excited today to be speaking with Deepthi Bathina, and she is a 25-year veteran of leading very large healthcare technology organization. She was previously the chief product officer of Humana. She ran a billion-dollar division of Nuance. Also, she was at Walters Kluwer, but today, in addition to being an advisor um, at SIC, SAI Group, she also just launched a new company, Rhythm X AI. And with all the buzz in healthcare about AI, what I wanted to do with Deepthi is get to the bottom of what is she doing? What is the opportunity? How is she going to ensure that she's actually addressing some of the large questions in healthcare, cost, outcomes, equity, those things? Deepthi, thank you so much for being on Inspiring Women. Thank you. Thanks, Laurie. Such an honor to be here and absolutely thrilled that I have a chance to have this conversation with you and your audience. Well, let's dive right in. So before we talk about Rhythm XAI, tell me a little bit about you. First of all, you've got this long and storied career. Tell us a little bit about how did you get here? Sure. Um, so to me, at this phase, personal and professional life is always blended. And I grew up in a small town in southern part of India for the first 20-ish years of my life, and then lived in the Boston area for the next 25-ish years. There you go. You have my age at this point. But going back to my childhood. Still a baby. Still a baby. <laughs> so going back to my childhood, a couple of things that have deeply touched me was uh, there was not sufficient healthcare and people unnecessarily suffer just for lack of awareness, lack of proactive care. I'll give you an example. My grandmother suffered from diabetes at a very young age of 67. She actually had her leg amputated and passed away shortly thereafter, just in mid 60s, because back then people did not actually know oh, there is this chronic condition diabetes that actually can be controlled. There are changes you can make even before you get sick. All these things that we see, some of us see as basic learning still don't exist in many parts of the world, including US. And uh, those kinds of lack of healthcare that just deeply touched me and I always wanted to do something about it because I've seen so much suffering in various parts of my own family. And then parallelly, when I was a teenager, technology was new, internet was new. And the first time when I coded as a teenager, I thought it was magic. I literally got goosebumps and, and I was like, oh my God, this is how magic feels like. And you fast forward that by three decades, I still find technology 
as my magic. I now see where the latest AI goes and I'm like, oh my God, this is magic, right? So combining these both, I'm pretty excited by what can I do by collaborating everybody else in the health system to change the trajectory on healthcare to help millions and eventually billions of people around the world. So that's my personal motivation and everything I do professionally right now goes right within. And um, that's why I say at this phase of life for me, personal and professional lives are so intertwined. Well, it's, you know, it's interesting to hear you talk about where the motivation is coming from, because it does come from a very early age, but your experience is quite impressive, Deepthi. I mean, at the young age of mid forties to be, to have run what you've run global operations, 170 company uh, countries that you had responsibility for a billion size portfolio, P&L responsibility at a large um, company, and now launching your own company. So just give us a little bit about the leadership trajectory, because many people have passion that stems from um, personal experience, but you've not only been able to have that passion, but to put it towards a pretty impressive leadership career. Thank you, Laurie, for your kind words. For me, it's a life phase of evolution, right? In my, I have to say in my mid-age twenties, when I was a new master, I, I did my master's in computer science at Worcester Polytechnic. It used to be early mid twenties about, am I smart? Can I do this? Who am I? I had a lot to prove myself. So a lot of that phase of my professional life was focusing on proving about myself to me kind of thing. And as I started getting more experience, what I noticed was I didn't feel the need to prove it to myself, but I was getting great joy in helping other people. Like, hey, I've learned this. Can I help with this knowledge and learning to other people? And when they started becoming successful and when I was able to help them, it just gave me so much more joy. And then rather than seeing my own self being successful to say, wow, this, this really gives me a lot of joy to see other people be successful. That naturally motivated me towards uh, leadership roles because I sincerely believe in leadership is all about helping others be their best and deliver their best and see them grow. Some of my prior direct reports are CEOs now of various companies. Nothing makes me more happy to see other people be successful. And I think that mindset would naturally gravitate you towards leadership roles. And then what happened later in my 30s, uh, as I realized is when you start leading organizations that are large, many layer, what is a company doing? What are your products delivering? Are they actually, can you relate to the mission and purpose of them? Are they actually, are they worth your energy? It's larger than life. And then I started seeking companies where absolutely the mission resonates with me. And that made it much easier for me to take upon extremely complex, large challenges, which takes a lot and lot of hard work. But it came natural and easy because I'm motivated by the bigger mission the company is delivering, and that is still the case. So I would say uh, that's the big thread in how I kept transitioning from my early 20s to current phase. 
What is special about you, Deepthi, though? I mean, many people work very hard and aspire for those very large um, positions that you have held. So what, what do you think is special about you that allowed you to make that type of large leap into those levels of leadership? And this is always hard to sort of like, you know, think back to, you know, before you were that level of executive that you have been several times now, what yeah. was it? Did you know you had it? Um, or, you know, and don't, please don't tell me you were lucky because I, I don't believe it was just luck. No, I reflect on that, my journey a lot, Laurie. Uh, there are several things, but one big thing I would say is um, ability to take risk is very important. I feel like you're the sum of the risks you've taken in your life. Mm -hmm. And a uh, lot of people have noticed that uh, it takes a lot to get out of your comfort zone and say, you know what, I've been a technology software developer person. I want to be this product manager. Um, is it going to work? But embracing the mindset of, hey, if you try to jump and fall down, you're still better than somebody who did not even try. Don't worry about falling down. Don't worry about the risk of failure. Go do it. it. At the end of the day, you have the satisfaction of, hey, at least I tried to do it. Easier said than done. And I think our openness to embrace risk and move towards areas that you've never embraced before, I think is extremely important. And uh, a second thing that ties there, um, ties into it, and especially for women, even more so than men, I've noticed is don't let anybody else tell you what you can be or cannot be. Like you try it and you will know at the worst case, you will have the learnings that make you better anyways, because no journey is a smooth up curve. Right. It's like two steps forward, one step back. It's, it's like this. Right. But you yeah. have your learnings. And I think the combination of all these things is what I attribute my past journey to. Yeah. Well, I think that, first of all, is such sound advice. I mean, just reflecting on my own personal um, journey. I remember one time sort of going through an acquisition. I had been leading the development team, but I was no longer going to be in charge of development. And I was thinking, oh my goodness, you know, like what a, what a terrible demotion type of thing. And, and a mentor of mine said like, Lori, like what, like, is this all you aspire to in your life and that risk taking um, is hard to do. And so sometimes even being pushed or getting the counsel of others to help you on that, I think is fantastic advice. Deepthi, let's move to Rhythm um, XAI. Um, first of all, what is it? Why is it important? Um, tell us a little bit about the company. Sure. Um... So uh, I'll tell you about the parent company and then our company uh, next, because it, it actually makes even more sense. Um, so my chairman, my boss currently, and my investor is Dr. Ramesh Wadwani, who just got recognized by Time Magazine as one of the top 100 influential AI leaders in the entire world. Yeah. Uh, long before AI is successful, he's delivered this brilliant enterprise AI everywhere, extremely successful serial entrepreneur. And he used his lifetime learnings to start this group called Symphony AI Group. We go by SAI Group, it's an acronym um, based out of Silicon Valley, where we take 
deep AI and apply it to different verticals. So, so far we have Symphony AI, which provides enterprise AI to different verticals like media, retail, manufacturing kind of industry. And there's a second pillar under this private equity firm called Concert AI, where we provide uh, enterprise AI to mainly pharma, imaging side of health systems. And a uh, few months ago, Dr. Wadwani decided he wants to make a difference in the clinical space, in the payer provider space. Um, so when he reached out to me, I was first of all super excited about the opportunity to be part of a firm which has such stellar advanced capabilities of AI. My starting point is already a very sophisticated enterprise AI platform. And we have data for many millions of patients longitudinally that we have access to. He's committing his own billion dollars to Symphony AI Group. Just the ability to have all these superpowers and to say, wow, what problem am I going to solve in healthcare really was super exciting. And that's why I took this role as a CEO of RhythmX AI. And what now coming to what is RhythmX AI doing with all these powers, right? Mm -hmm. One big uh, space we're going after is there's the shortage of workforce is going to be huge. Take it anywhere. But if you look at primary care physicians, for example, the shortage of workforce in the next several years is very drastic. People are struggling with lack of access. And at the same time, there's this gigantic burnout of physicians. And you look, combine all of this, chronic conditions are about almost 80% of the entire US uh, healthcare cost at this point. So at that junction, what can be done using AI, right? So Rhythmix AI focuses on complete paradigm shift of delivering uh, whole person care. And what do we mean by that is, gone are the days decade ago where a patient came in, a doctor would say, ah, you have clinically this problem, right? Now delivering uh, diagnosis, treatment care, everything is about what are the, these clinical conditions? What is her social determinants of health status? Can she even afford these medications? Can she even afford transportation? What is her mental health? Because loneliness is worse than smoking these days and doesn't matter what condition you have, it multiplies. What's your family history? There are so many of these things that need to be combined truly to deliver integrated care uh, to a person and to expect for us that physicians are somehow going to within minutes and seconds read thousands of variables about you and deliver that level of integrated care and also recognize, oh, it's not just about the conditions Deepthi has today. What is she going to get in the future? How can I proactively help her uh, slow that down? There's hundreds and thousands of conditions. It's just humanly impossible. You combine all these things to deliver that whole person care within the workflow across so many different conditions is just humanly impossible to get there. So, why so, are, so is this, is this a tool set that works in conjunction with an electronic health record? Exactly. Is it a new tool set that you will be building? Give Maybe dive in a little bit more. It's a precision care platform, which we called, uh, will be integrated into all major EHRs so that when the physician is within their current EHR workflow, 
our screens will be popping up within the right uh, time within the workflow so they can seamlessly use our software within the current EHR uh, workflow. Mm -hmm. And where will the data come from? Where are you expecting? Because one yeah. of the one of the great opportunities, as well as problems in healthcare, and I don't need to tell this to you, but I'm interested in how you'll solve for it. We've gone over the past 10 to 15 years from almost zero disconnected sources, mm -hmm. pools, puddles of data, to now so much data being generated. It is quite overwhelming. That data is also full of bias and yeah. really um, important missing pockets of information to get at some of the um, types of things that you're trying to draw out for that whole person care. So how are you thinking about that? And how are you thinking about addressing those realities? So data will be coming from two big buckets. I'll keep it simple for this uh, purpose. One big bucket is Rhythmix AI will bring our own data to the table. I've already licensed many millions of records, uh, longitudinally clinical social determinants of health, all connected data that my engineering team has access to. Mm -hmm. And we will be building our own AI models on top of the data that we are licensing, that's the one big bucket, uh, again, longitudinally from many different sources. And we we are committed to, as Rhythmix AI grows and as our needs grow, that we'll keep on licensing more data in addition to what we already have. So that's one bucket to train our AI. The second big bucket of data is the health systems themselves where we're deploying, right? So we can take their data from their EHRs or other sources they may have so that here is an example. Say uh, the uh, software or Rhythmx AI platform is being deployed at a local hospital and deep, deep but you know, the patient goes there. They get Rhythmx AI will parse all data about deep, deep Batina from that particular uh, health system but it will be multiplied with Rhythmx AI data because we are already training AI models in millions of records we are licensing to say, aha, some a patient like Deepti with her kinds of this information, I think she's at a higher risk for diabetes. I think she's going to progress on CKD much faster. These kinds of medications will really help somebody like Deepti, but we're not doing it for her here. So that's where the combination of our data combined with the health systems data um, is, is going to work. Okay, one more question about this. Because you have this enormous background in the payer space, mm -hmm. and so as the chief product officer of Humana, you also know the problems that there are with sort of, you know, having the um, outcomes opportunity for the patient with the reality of the ability to have it reimbursed or paid for. How are you thinking about that? And will Rhythm XAI in some way be able to address which is just the pure economic realities in yeah. terms of care, available access to care that may or may not be available to everybody. That's extremely important. It is definitely going to be a feature uh, in our platform where if I'm a physician and I'm thinking about which medication to be able to prescribe to Deepti Bhatina, the patient in this case, it should immediately parse the benefits to be able to say, if you did this, this is going to be X amounts of dollars given deep these benefits and 
guess what? Deepthi cannot afford this. That's where the integrated care comes in. Gone are the days where I would just write you something and send you off without even understanding is this going to happen? Is she going to take the medication? But showing right there and say, what about these two other medications? They're the substitutes. She can actually afford these. Her benefits actually cover this. So we're going to bring that right within the flow when they make the decision treatment. The benefits and the plan coverage is going to be a key part. Well, that sounds amazing. And the fact that you're already thinking about within the workflow and reducing what is the back end administrative burdens for both the clinician at the front end and, of course, the patient um, is excellent. So I hope you are wildly successful as you launch on um, this new venture. It sounds amazing. Deepthi, you've um, so you're working with this incredible um, you know, entrepreneur times 100 um, person. And um, you also have five years working under Jack Welch and, you know, an amazing leader in there. I'm curious, um, you know, what, you know, from your time with these um, iconic leaders that you've had the opportunity to work side by side with, what do you take from them that has resonated with you in your own style? And what did you say, nope, that style doesn't work for me? I'm just curious as to, you know, what how those experiences have resonated to your own leadership style. Um, sure. So uh, what did I learn um, from, I'll go both ways. For a first, Jack Welsh, in a very early phase of my career, I met him. First of all, I was amazed by his candor. If he likes your idea, he will say it like it is. If it's not, used to be like, Deepi, are you insane? This won't work. So it's like right there, candor, right? Uh, and the candor is something I've really taken and I embrace it even today with my own teams. It's like nobody ever has to wonder, what does she, where is she really with this project or with this person? Because uh, you would be pe doing people and your company a huge favor by uh, bringing that level of transparency, authenticity to the mix, right? And um, the transparency, authenticity is there. And then uh, even with my current leader, Dr. Wadwani, is something I always, uh, like a couple of advisors that I'm like embracing full on as one. He always reminds me, a journey of thousand miles begins with what first couple of steps are you going to take and how well are you going to do it to take these great vision you have in front of you and making it into chunkable size and executing brilliantly well and keep on doing it is going to be extremely important to be able to uh, to brilliant execution and the second thing i learned from our current chairman is he always says get to the four millimeter level of the problem Right, because these are hard, hard problems to ch uh, chase, especially in healthcare. Do you really understand it thoroughly? Are you getting it to that in-depth detail to be able to drive this forward? So it's very important we understand the depth, not only the breadth of the anything we are trying to solve. So great learnings, and I would say what I was um, didn't quite do is over the last few decades. There's always these things where if you really want to be a successful business person, you got to go off. That's what people almost used to tell me 20 years ago. I never did. <laughs> but there's like all these like a certain type of networking tips you got back in the day 
which I did not follow, honestly. I have my own ways to network with people, but these were like very, you know, typical kind of things. And there were other things like in the past, uh, even Jack Wells used to be like, put business leaders, pack up, go to Japan if you have to kind of thing. And I took a different approach where I'm on business travel all the time. What's the point of dragging my family to a different country? So even when I had to cover 170 countries, I traveled 90% international, but left my family in the Boston area, yep. the foundational routing. So there are some things I've done different than what, a, what you might expect of a typical business leader to do to grow in their career. Yep. Yeah. Well, that's great. And, you know, Deethi, I want one last question before we close out here. Um, you know, you are a woman leader, you are a woman of color and, um, you know, quite frankly, you look young. So I'm uh, making an assumption here, but I'm making an assumption that you've been around various rooms where you weren't taken as seriously as your responsibility, um, uh, would, would suggest if you've had that situation, how have you dealt with it? Yeah, so I've had countless number of those situations, uh, Laurie, and uh, there is no heroic answer to it. Sometimes you just have to state your credentials. I'll give an example. I, I don't want to name the company, but after I made it to a very senior executive role, I'll leave it at that. Um, I was sitting, I was new to the company, went to an internal business review meeting. I went 10 minutes early to the meeting and sat at the table meant for executives and just getting my work done. Somebody walks up to me and says, excuse me, admins cannot sit here. Can you move out of this table? And then uh, I had to then say, no, I am so-and-so of your company. And they were almost shocked. But the fact that you don't even ask who are you or excuse me, I mean, like there's like jumping to a conclusion, hi, Edmonds can sit here, shows that sometimes people would judge you based on a lot of physical characteristics to be able to just, you know, jump to that kind of conclusion. And it happens like countless Number well, it, it, these things happen, but what I like is the what I think I, I'm taking almost the practical reality of getting to the meeting early and sitting in yeah. the place that you belong as a way to just deal with what sometimes might happen. Thank you for sharing that story. Deepthi, I really appreciate this conversation as we close out on inspiring women. I would just love any last minute sort of like tip, trick. Yeah advice that you give others or that's worked for you to be the leader that you are today? Um, sure. One thing I would say is, like I've already mentioned, if it's both men and women, this is what I would say is take risks throughout your life. Never too late. Never too late. Please uh, embrace risks. You'll always uh, be happier, stronger, irrespective of the failure. And then if I want to double click for the woman, I would say one thing is, any job people want to apply to, I met a lot of women leaders, even at VP levels who were reporting to me, they would go by, this SVP role has these 10 requirements, but I only have eight, so I'm not gonna apply kind of mindset. No, you don't need to have every requirement. Take a chance. Doesn't matter how many things you match, go after it, right? Don't wait for perfection. 
um, don't let that mindset hold you back uh, would be my mind uh, would be my advice to women leaders. Well, that is fantastic advice. And this has been a great conversation. I really appreciate it. I've been speaking with Deepthi Bathina here on Inspiring Women. Deepthi, thank you so much. Really enjoyed this conversation. Thanks, Lori. Have a great day. All righty. That was perfect. All right, Deepi, thank you so much. I'll send you an email and maybe we'll um, find an opportunity to at least say hello while we're in Vegas together. That would be great. I'll send you my cell, just text because it's going to be like crazy and I'm I sure know. <laughs> on the floor and we could just meet. I would love to meet you, Laurie. That and would be great. great. You're doing this to bring people together and share this. Um, awesome. Great. Yeah, it's um it's a uh, it's very fun. It's a passion and um yeah, we're doing pretty great with it. So again, thanks again Deepthi, Amy, thank you very much. Thank Lori, you Lori, thank you Deepthi. Thanks any everybody. Idea, any idea when this would be published? Um, yes, we will um the plan will be to drop this literally um in 2 weeks, so the um the week before health. You'll have it. So perfect. Yeah, I think that'll be good timing for you. <laughs> Thanks, Laurie. Take Thanks, care. everybody. This has been an episode of Inspiring Women with Lori McGraw. Please subscribe, rate, and review. We are produced by Kate Cruz at Executive Podcast Solutions. More episodes can be found on inspiringwomen.show. I am Lori McGraw, and thank you for listening.